So today is Pentecost Sunday. You know, Christmas celebrates Christ coming. Pentecost celebrates the Holy Spirit coming. 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, uh, the Spirit is poured out. The church is born. And although we already saw a little video of that scripture reading, I want to read the scripture today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. A couple of things I want to point out here is that notice that this fire that came down. Now, fire is uh, often goes along with the fancy word is theophanies. When God shows up, it's often in a fire. Think of the burning bush. And there's also this mighty rushing wind. So when God shows up, often there's natural phenomenon, supernatural phenomenon. And that's what we see. But what I want you to notice is that a flame, that fire is above each person. So that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon kings and prophets and those really important people that we read about in the Old Testament, but that the Holy Spirit comes upon all of God's people. Amen. One of the things I really appreciate about these, um, these flames of fire and these doves, there's 72 of them, Amy told me. <laughs> and that's significant in that the Holy Spirit he, his, he came upon each one. And so if there's 72 of us in here today, that represents like the Holy Spirit and his work in each one of our lives because Pentecost is not just about what happened then. It's about what happens now. Because when Peter... After the Holy Spirit came down and filled the people uh, and all these supernatural things were going on, Peter then, he's filled with the Spirit. He gives a sermon to explain what's going on because people are saying, what in the world's going on? Peter says, let me tell you. He's, and he, he talks about what you're seeing is a fulfillment of prophecy, that the prophet Joel, he spoke about the day of the Lord coming and that the Lord would pour out his spirit upon the, the mighty and the low, men and women, rich and poor. He's saying that is what's being fulfilled right now. But I don't want to dwell too much on what happened that first Pentecost, but to emphasize that we're still in that same period, that same salvation historical epic, if you will, the church age, because the church was born on Pentecost. So the time of the spirit and salvation, we are in that age. We're in the last days of spirit and salvation. They began on the first Pentecost, but they continue today. That's why at the end of Peter's spirit-empowered sermon, he gives this offer. It's the same offer we have today in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39. He says, when they heard this, that's the crowd, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God will call to himself. 
That includes us, all who are far off. We're far off because that was 2,000 years ago, halfway across the globe. So that includes us. The Holy Spirit is given to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. That same offer is valid today. So that today, every nation, every race, every ethnicity make up God's Spirit-filled children. And Jesus continues to work in them and work in us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So might, some might be thinking, well, well then why, why aren't we seeing those things like at the first Pentecost? Like where's the flames? I mean, we got the paper ones, but where's like the, the really burning ones? Where are the tongues? Where are all these things? Well, the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is still working, but we often don't recognize his work because we get so hung up on, hey, where's the rushing wind? Where's the flames? Where's the tongues? The Holy Spirit works in many different ways. Yes, in those ways, but also in so many others. And that's what I want to focus on today. I don't want us to get stuck on the flames. I want us to get stuck on the Spirit showing up and changing things, showing up and make a difference in our lives. And so how does the Holy Spirit work today? Yes, in, in uh, supernatural things. But let's not get stuck on the flame or the wind. And so I want to, we're going to hear three testimonies today. What does the Holy Spirit look like today? So the first person who's going to come and talk about how the Holy Spirit worked uh, in her life at one time, I want to ask Chrissy to come share a word. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share something that um, happened a long, long time ago. I feel like I should be singing. A long, long time ago. <laughs> I can still remember when I was 20 years old. Okay. A long, long time ago. When I was 20 years old, I um, went on a mission trip through Latin America Mission. And um, it was kind of their branch that was for college students. And I went for like June, July, and August to Mexico City. And, um, you know, we were there, you know, for three months, more or less. And, you know, our task, we were going to be put with a, a ministry partner, a, another college student, and live with a family, go to their church, and um, help their church with whatever their projects they were doing. And then we also had ministry team tasks that we had to do throughout the week. And we had to take Spanish lessons. So it was not mandatory that you knew Spanish before you went. Um, I was a Spanish major, so I knew Spanish, but this was my, I mean, I knew Spanish, um, out of a grammar book and that kind of thing. And um, this was my first time really spending any time in a Spanish-speaking Spanish country, and I was, you know, I was excited about it. Um, to give you a kind of backstory of what the beginning of that time looked like, um, I think it was night two. What? Context, yeah, you need the context. So here, here's the good context of, of what it started out like. Night two, my family says, we're going to the church for a prayer night. And it's like 11 p.m. at this point. And I'm like, like tonight, now? Yeah, now, probably a half hour later, my host sister's like, yeah, let's get in the car, we're going to the church. So we get there about 11.30, and you know, I got very used over the summer to these nights of prayer and praise that might go till two, three, four in the morning. Um, but this was my first, first one, and my roommate, 
bless her, she didn't really know any Spanish, and she was this cute little blonde girl, and anytime someone would speak Spanish to us, she'd just look at me and go, you know? <laughs> so there we were, she's sitting next to me, I meet the pastor for the first time, and um, they have a sit in a circle. And the pastor shares with this group that and a month from now is gonna be vacation Bible school. And you know, Rebecca and I are nodding, like we understood that, we got what he just said. And then he looked at me and he says, you know, missionary so-and-so, will you please pray for vacation Bible school? And I, my eyes must have gotten like this, because first of all, I was a UMass kid, and UMass never taught us any prayer words or Bible words or anything like that. I had no idea what to say in this moment, and I watch everyone's heads just go down. And I'm like, oh no, no one's rescuing me from this moment. So, and no one did rescue me from that moment, because it was brutal. So if I were to translate probably what that prayer sounded like, it was probably like this. God... God, the children, the children of the school of vacation are coming. God, God, help, help. Okay. And that is probably what that prayer sounded like. And as I open my eyes, I see about 25 people staring at me like this. And the pastor's like, oh my gosh. So that was my throw into ministry missionary work in Mexico City. There's the context. Fast forward three months. Um, it, it was an amazing three months. All sorts of great things happened when we were there, um, both personally and as a group. It was, it was an awesome experience. Um, but our last week there, our, this woman, she was a deaconess in the church. Uh, I'll call her Sister Betty. Sister Betty came up to my roommate and I and said, oh, I'd love for you to come meet my coworker. Um, he wants to have us over for tea. He said, okay. And Sister Betty picked us up one afternoon in her car and we drove to her coworker's house. Now, as we're driving there, she tells us, um, well, my coworker is dying of AIDS, which I was not expecting. And she said, but he wants us to visit. And I, I said, okay. So we get there and he was a lovely man. He showed us his gardens. He, um, had us, you know, we had tea, we chatted, he talked all about his life. We were there over an hour at this point, and you know, he asked if we wanted some more tea, and I said, sure. And he got up and went into the kitchen to fill the teapot, and Sister Betty gave me like the death glare. And she tapped my knee, and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, what? There's my roommate. Um, <laughs> What? And she, she's like, I brought you here to save him. I said, what? <laughs> I brought you here to save him. He's dying. And out he comes with the teapot. <laughs> and I don't even know how to explain to you what happened that day. But the first thing that I noticed is when this man came out and sat he started talking about God. And he started talking about his life and how far he had been from God and all the things he had done. And he just really wanted something different. And it was like this open door. And I must have said something like, do you want, do you want to have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, yes. Now, 
my word, my vocab probably got a little better from that first prayer, but not that good, (laughs) not that good at all. And I didn't know what I was going to say, but I will tell you where I can remember the first prayer. I can't remember anything about this second prayer because it really felt like it wasn't even me. And whatever I prayed and led him to pray, he opened his life up to Jesus that day. And when it was done, I didn't get the death glare from, from Sister Betty. I got a big smile from Sister Betty. And I think of that time and that moment um, and the work of the Spirit twofold. I mean, one, the Spirit took over in me that day and, and did something I in my own self could not do. But the Spirit, the thing that was so touching to me was it almost felt like I could have done anything in that moment because the spirit had done everything in his heart already. Like the spirit had tilled that soil. The spirit had got everything ready. And I just needed to be open to be used by God because that man, it was determined that he was coming to Jesus that day. So I encourage you in that, (laughs) that where you feel super weak and where you don't think that God can use you. You step into a place of availability and you never know what God has done behind the scenes in someone's life or what God's about to do in yours. Amen. Thank you, Chrissy. And notice there's a flame there, like above Chrissy. So that... (laughs) That doesn't just represent what happened on Pentecost, right? It represents Spirit's work in in Chrissy's life at that time and countless others. Second testimony, you know, the Spirit does miraculous things. Again, helping Chrissy to speak Spanish at an extra extra high level and and working on people's hearts to come to him. Uh, But the Spirit also does the transforming work. Um, Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So fruit is something, what does the Spirit produce? Yes, he produces supernatural works, but he also produces supernatural transformation. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I want to ask Steve Nevy to come and give a testimony to how the Spirit produced that kind of fruit in his life. Uh, Steve, come and share a word what the Spirit has done. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Um, Before I do that testimony, I just got to share what happened to me this morning. Um, I came in early. We do a class at 8.30 to 9.30, and I came in at 8 to set up, and usually the worship team's practicing, and I heard music, and I walked down, and Judy was playing solo, was all by herself, playing that Holy Spirit song we just listened to. And I walk into the room, and all the flames and doves are flying, fluttering around, and Ju- Judy's singing, and I was just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. I, ju- I, I, was, I actually got a little emotional. And, and that's not me. I'm Mr. Engineer, rational kind of guy. So that was big. That was very big. So... Um, so I guess, I guess uh, God wants me here today doing this. Um, I've really been looking forward to this uh, opportunity to tell you about how the Holy Spirit 
impacted my life very significantly. Um, many of you know me already. I've been going to this church for a long time, married to Rayanne. Most of you know a lot of my children, or all of them. Um, and uh, so you know that part of me, but you may not know about my job. Some of you may do, but um, I want to tell you a little about that because that's where this happened. Um, I graduated college from UMass as a mechanical engineer, and uh, a few years after I graduated, I joined my dad in his small mechanical contracting business. Um, that was 35 years ago. I worked side by side with him, helping him to grow the company. And along the way, I discovered that actually um, really had, I discovered my skills and passions for business. If I was an engineer, but I really decided I, I this, is, this is what I really enjoy doing. And um, when my dad retired 25 years ago, I took over leadership of the company. Uh, God has blessed us very much over the years, and we have steadily grown to over 100 team members, and we're doing projects all across southern New England. Um, and I got to say, normally my job is challenging, but I've always really enjoyed it. And that's a blessing to have a job that you may be challenging, but you enjoy doing. Uh, until two years ago, when I found myself facing the most difficult and stressful season of my career. Um, <clears throat> we had just finished operating as an essential business uh, in person through the first year of COVID, which wasn't over yet. We were trying to do projects in three states, all with different and constantly evolving rules for many different customers, each with their own requirements. Our employees were stressed with childcare issues due to remote schooling. We experienced high absenteeism over COVID exposures and quarantines, which resulted in a shortage of, of employees to meet our project commitments. Our projects were being delayed and budgets hit due to supply chain issues. And underlying all that was a simmering frustration amongst team members over mandated protocols, quarantines, vaccines, masks, and then polarization over politics and differing beliefs about freedom, acceptable risk, and what the science is telling us. Just managing a company through COVID was stressful enough. But at the same time, I was grappling with six other major issues all of which could have serious negative repercussions for the future of the company and those families who depend on it. They were all complex with no easy solutions. We had one, a major customer, after we finished the job, declared bankruptcy, owing us a lot of money. Out of the blue, a state government agency flip-flopped its position on a long-standing regulation that we had relied on to grow the company. On another major project was experiencing serious delays due to COVID impacts all over the place. Things were not showing up. It was crazy and it was putting pressure. We still had to get the job done, but it was putting pressure on our whole team. And along with that, there were three major financial issues that I was also dealing with. Um, I felt pressure on all sides. This overload of challenges and responsibilities pushed me to my limits. Uh, 
and it was starting to take a toll on me. My stress level was high, and I had gone weeks without a good night's sleep. My wife was starting to get worried about me. Uh, I would lay in bed worrying about the possible outcomes with my brain in overdrive, trying to work out all these issues and unable to shut down. Then one Sunday, June 2021, I sat listening to Pastor Joe's sermon in the gym. And uh, as a side point, you know, he makes those side points. Uh, he explained, he was explaining what Sabbath was about for the Jews. They believed that Sabbath was a day to practice faith and trust in God. And he kind of put it in context. He said, in those days, because of the subsistence level of life, the, the non-Jews were saying, how can you waste a whole day a week on this Sabbath stuff, not working your fields, not preparing for the winter? It just didn't make sense. But the Jews... Um, through Sabbath, the Jews were showing faith in God and, and trust that he would provide. As Pastor Joe said this, a thought came to my mind. Do I truly trust in God or am I relying on myself? I believe this came from the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear much of the sermon after that. Sorry, Pastor Joe. Um... <laughs> And I couldn't get, it, get that question off my mind. And I drove home. When I got home, I spent three hours pouring through the Bible, looking for scriptural references to trust, perseverance, and courage. I found 40 verses and eagerly typed them up. Something about that number, too. That's for another time. Um, uh, I then spent more time rereading and meditating on the verses I had found. As I was sitting there, a peace came over me, and a huge burden was lifted off my shoulders. That night, I slept like a baby for the first time in weeks. And for a couple weeks after that, I reread that list every day. And uh, I still keep it handy. Um, and while my job was still very challenging, I truly knew at my deepest core that I could trust in God no matter how things turned out. I realized this peace I had just experienced was the fruit of the Spirit. Now, two years later, all those business challenges are resolved and the company is thriving. And I haven't lost another night's sleep since. The problems work in the world no longer take away my Sabbath peace and rest. I would like to share with you two of the scriptures that came from that list. The first is, Pastor Joe mentioned it, but I'm going to read it again. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the second is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the fruit of peace and joy.
Thank you, Jesus, for the rest you give. And thank you, Father, you have been so good to me. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen, for that testimony of the Holy Spirit bringing the fruit of peace and joy. Kenny, will you come and share a testimony? Good morning, everyone. Oh, Holy Spirit is good to us, isn't he? Um, Pastor Joe wanted me to share something, uh, a testimony about the Spirit of God working uh, and bringing miracles. And um, I have one to share. I've had a few share, but I chose one from about a little over 20 years ago when I was uh, working, uh, still working full-time at the Westover Air Force Base. And I was working for the government then. And at the time, I was really, actually, that was the beginnings of, you hear me talk about the kingdom often. That was really the starting time of, of understanding the kingdom as Jesus presented it. And I prayed for people in church and done that and, and, and taught and, and preached and stuff in churches. But I had not prayed for people outside of church. That was something I was really starting to get uh, interested in doing and, and being a part of because I was reading lots of stuff about God wanted to heal people, not just in church, but everywhere, wherever we go. And, and there's a scripture, John 20, 21, where Jesus says, even the Father, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And Jesus was sent by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to bring the kingdom to people, not just in a church setting, not just in a synagogue. You always see Jesus outside on the street doing it. And so I'm at work and, uh, and, and been reading a lot about Jesus healing people, so my job was, uh, I was a logistics guy, and, and, and I worked for an air evac squadron, which was a medical squadron, so evacuating, you know, uh, casualties in a war situation. We needed to, to get uh, a supply of drugs uh, to, to, from uh, Hanscom, so we couldn't get, we couldn't order the drugs, we couldn't order them from uh, Westover, so we had to order them from Hanscom, which is out in Boston area. <clears throat> but I'm not a nurse, so I couldn't sign for them, so I had to, I had to have a nurse uh, come with me to go to the to the clinic at at, at uh, Hanscom. So I'm we're on the on the drive there, and the nurse is with me, and we're chatting along. And I I start telling her about how Jesus heals without medicine. And, you know, you, you can pray, you can pray for him, pray for people, and, and and God will heal them. And she's hearing me out, and I'm telling her talking about telling different testimonies, not of mine, but of others that have, have prayed for people. And we get to the clinic, and I. We walk into the, the back room where the warehouse is and, and stands there, the, the guy that the, was my counterpart there at, at Hanscom. And we walk in and um, Stan is, he's holding his elbow and he's rubbing his elbow and you can tell he's, looking, he's in pain. And I'm like, what's wrong, Stan? He goes, I got this terrible tendonitis in my elbow. It's so painful. And the nurse looks at me like, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> I just been telling. She didn't say those words, but I could tell that it was a look because <clears throat> I've been telling her how Jesus can heal people. <clears throat> I'm like, okay, and this is like, I don't know if it's the first time. It was one of the first beginnings of praying for people outside of a church setting. <clears throat> so I'm like, Stan, can I pray for you? Sure. So I, I don't remember praying like putting my hands on me, just saying some. I don't remember the words. I just prayed a simple prayer to heal him, and all of a sudden. You know, stand. You know this, the normal thing, like Christian. You go to pray for it, and I, I did the same thing. I'm closing my eyes. I, I don't know if you ever notice. I say, pray, pray with your eyes open when you're praying for people. And he, he, so, 
open our eyes, he opens up, he's, and he's rubbing, he's actually going like this with his arm, he's like, and his eyes are big, he goes, he goes, how did you do that? <laughs> and I looked at, at the nurse, and I'm, she was just as shocked as I was. Because <laughs> I wasn't really expecting it, you know, I'm like, it's, it, it happened, and, he, and it was like, I was like, oh my goodness. He's healed, he was pain free, he was fine. We came back to the base, I didn't have to tell anybody. Guess who told everybody? The nurse, it, which actually, this is part of the thing. When, when we, we pray for people and God works in their life, we don't have to publicize it. God uses them. They're working in their heart. And next thing you know, people at work, that was the beginnings of, that was just before people were, you know, I helped people get deployed, sending them off to Afghanistan and, and eventually to Iran. And so, uh, so as teams would get together, guess what they would come? They'd come with, you got a Bible, Kenny? Can you pray for us, Kenny? And they start asking a question. All because of that one event. And so sometimes it's the event that happens that we're praying for somebody. And, it's, and it, wasn't, it's, it wasn't me. It's the Holy Spirit working in that moment. And now you wonder why, you go, why should we pray for people? Because God shows up. Holy Spirit comes in those moments. Sometimes it's in a healing. Sometimes it's in a, something else that happens. But God shows up every time we ask for him to come, his kingdom to come. He invites us to pray that prayer. Let your kingdom come. And he does. He comes in those moments in different ways. But in this moment, it was a healing. And it really, it really for me, I'm like, this really works. I can do this. I can pray for people. And you can too. It's not because it's me. It's every, it's every one of us. God wants to work through Jesus. Jesus told the disciples, even as the Father sent me, so I'm sending all of you. And we're all called to be a part of bringing God's kingdom and the blessings of his kingdom to those we're, we're interacting with all the time, not just in a church setting, but also in our work, our families, stop and shop, big Y, Home Depot, doesn't matter where it's at, just being, being available to the Holy Spirit working in us, but not just working in us, but wanting to work through us to bring healing and deliverance and and hope to other people. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Kenny. So all these decorations, these flames, they're not just reminders of the past, of what happened 2,000 years ago on Pentecost. They're an invitation to the present, that the Holy Spirit would work in us all, in all of these ways. And one of the reasons I had three different testimonies is that there, maybe there's something you're going through. Maybe you need healing. Or, or maybe you're going through a difficult time like, like Stephen talked about. Or you're put into a situation like Chrissy where you're not at all qualified or able. That's when we cry out to the Holy Spirit. And that's when, yeah, a, a literal flame not might, might not come above our heads, but the, more importantly, the Spirit comes into our hearts and empowers us and fills us so that it's not just us doing a work, it's the Holy Spirit working through us. That invitation was then and it's for, for now as well. That's what Pentecost is about. And so we celebrate today. And if you want, if any of the things we talked about, you're like, ah, yeah, I want more of that. I want more of the Spirit. Well, first, and you might be thinking, well, what do I do? Well, first thing is, what did Peter say when the crowd said, what should we do? 
He said in verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have not believed and trusted in Jesus Christ and what he's done, believe in him now, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we walk in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning that as the Spirit moves and he will prompt us to take a step, a step of, a step of trust, a, a, a step to, in, into a situation where, again, we're not qualified for, but we know that God is bringing us there. He will lead you into supernatural work and transformation. And so as we sing this final song of, of praise if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take a step, take that step. And maybe you need prayer because you know it's a step that you can't even begin to take on your own. And so you need the support of others to pray. You can come forward, you can come in the back and we'll pray for you. Because one of the things that the disciples were doing right before Pentecost, and I'll talk about this more at 3 p.m. Uh, at the other church, is they were praying together. They were all gathered together, praying together, and the Spirit fell. So too, as we gather together now and pray for one another, the Spirit will fill us to overflowing. Let's pray. Dear God, we pray in these last moments that, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We pray you'd move in us and through us. Lord, there are some people here who need your peace. They need the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray you'd fill them to overflowing. Lord, there are some who need a miracle. Lord, there are some who simply need to experience your presence in a new and profound way. Holy Spirit, move in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.